Julia, and welcome to Unnecessary Angst, where we get drunk and talk about YA. Woo! And we're starting a new... Should, have we Have we ever gotten drunk? Hold on. Yes. You've gotten close to it. I think we've I've... talked about this before. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I also was getting right. very... I wasn't drunk, but when we were recording the Wicked King episode <laughs> last week, I was getting a little frisky with my Hogwarts house rating. That's right. I forgot about that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Where we get so, we get pleasantly tipsy and talk about YA books. This is true. Cheers. <laughs> um, and Cheers. we're starting a new a new YA book today. But before we get into that, first, Julia, how are you doing? What are you drinking tonight? I'm doing well. I'm exhausted. I started my internship. Um, I think it's not even the work that's hard. It's getting back into a routine. It's so difficult right now for the past, even like last year when I was still working. um, I didn't, I woke up pretty late because I like basically woke up, rolled out of bed and got on my laptop. I remember. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And now I actually have to get up. I have to drive. I can't believe I'm driving to work that's that's a first <laughs> um and I have to like make lunch I have to get myself ready and everything I have like a real adult job not that a New York City job isn't an adult job but like it, it comes with certain I don't want to say privileges but because that doesn't sound right because commuting into New York City is not fun but no. yeah <laughs> it's just an adjustment it's an adjustment going back to like pre-pandemic life exactly it's very weird and like it's hard speaking of the pandemic like having to remember to wear my mask like when i'm at my desk i don't need to wear a mask but when i'm walking around the building i have to wear my mask and it's so hard i think for all of us because everyone in my office is just returning Mm -hmm. and like the amount of people i will see running back to their desk because they forgot their mask which includes me is like (laughs) unbelievable (laughs) um but yeah, I'm drinking a Pinot Noir, which is three days old. But, you know, it still tastes good. I refrigerated it. It's fine. It's still there you go. together. Yeah. All right. Not bad. How are you doing? I am doing well. I am just, you know, forever busy with work and starting to think about going back into the office and what that's going to look like. Uh, with my new commute, which is probably going to be about an hour in total. Um, so I'm a little a little nervous to have to start commuting again because now that I'm in San Francisco, I still have a lot of New York time-centric meetings or like Europe time-centric meetings. So I may have meetings as early as 7, 7.30 in the morning. So starting to think about like how I'm going to make sure that I'm in the office by then if my commute takes like hour and 15 minutes is not exciting because as you know I'm not a morning person I'm more of a morning person than you are but I'm not a morning person (laughs) monster in the morning (laughs) um so and I only have about three weeks to adjust to what that's gonna look like once I actually start going back into the office um so I'm just getting getting a little nervous about what that's going to look like at the tail end of July and early August and how I'm going to fit 
uh, Skyla's school schedule and stuff around that, but it's very much TBD. I am excited because uh, I apparently never lost my desk in the New York office. Um, they oh. tr- transferred me to San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And when they updated my internet profile and my, like, seating chart, they changed it to the San Francisco like area code but then they didn't change the floor reference and the seat number oh <laughs> and the 17th floor doesn't exist in our san francisco oh office so i am still technically at my seat in new york like if you look me up on all of the company like location things i'm still at my seat in new york so it shouldn't be too hard for me to get that seat reserved in july when i'm back in the office to get my shoes <laughs> And to see me. <laughs> well, I'm not going into the office to know, see you. I'll be seeing you the four days I'm just preceding. You're also gonna see me. <laughs> I'm so excited to see you. Also I'm excited to get excited. my shoes, but more excited to see you than to get my <laughs> shoes. And we can go to Harry Potter store. I literally cannot wait. I don't know if I want to actually spend money there, but like I, I can't just want to go there. See it. Yeah. I think I'm going to get one Slytherin item for myself, but that's it. I might get a new wand. <laughs> okay. I do not own a, a wand. I feel like I have no, strangely, no desire to get one. Like, I don't know whose wand I would get. I have Hermione's. Um, hmm. And I bought Hermione's because I wanted Hermione's wand. But if I could get either a wand that's super aesthetic and, like, pretty, Mm -hmm. I would get that, or I would want to get the wand of an actual Ravenclaw. That makes sense. So when I dress up in my Ravenclaw outfit, I feel a little bit more true to character. Potentially Luna, if they sell Cho Chang's wand, I would also get Cho Chang's wand. Um, Don't really want corals. I'll pass on that. Don't want Lockhart's. Don't want Trelawney's. Ravenclaw options are, like, not great. Pretty limited. Just, they're mostly villains or crazy people. Well, same with Slytherin. Like, I have no one, like, maybe Draco, but I don't, I really don't have any desire to get his wand. Get Narcissa's. Nah. Mm, <laughs> not really. Wasn't again not great options. It's not great options. Wasn't um, Tonks's mom a Slytherin? Probably, but I don't think they're gonna make her wand because she's a minor character and has like no lines. I don't even think <laughs> she's in the movies. The movie. <laughs> I'm just trying to think of a nice Slytherin in <laughs> canon. Andromeda Black would be one of them. Well. It would be nice. I mean, I guess if they had Albus um, Potter's one, but mm. I don't, I or you can get make that or Scorpius or Scorpius, yeah, or Scorpius's mother, uh, Astoria Greengrass. She seemed nice. True, but like I feel like they don't have any of those wands for the cursed child, which is sad. Whatever. They probably have them at the cursed child. Like you can probably buy them at you the cursed child. You're probably right. And we Which is closed look, because we? Broadway isn't open yeah. yet. Again, no, I don't think we looked because we were like, 
<laughs> I was overwhelmed by that. the scenery and poor. Actually, you bought me the ticket. That's how poor I was. <laughs> no, I bought you the ticket because, like, you were supposed to come with us the first time, and then you got sick, and I felt bad, yeah, so it was right. like a gift. I had the flu. Yeah. Oh, God. I forgot about that. That was terrible. It was. I felt so bad, so I was like, no, Julia, you need to be able to see Cursed Child. Like, this is ridiculous. That was the same time I made an apple pie while I had the flu. God knows why I did that. I have no idea why I made an apple pie while I had the flu. Flu messes with your brain. It just happens. (laughs) Anyway, off topic. So off topic. Um, I'm drinking a California red blend. It looks intense. I don't like it. Oh. Um, but I might like it more once it's been refrigerated. True. The, refrigerate your red wines. People need to start refrigerating their red wines. If there's one thing I learned working in wine, it's refrigerate your red wines. It helps. And let them breathe. Like, I'm a strong believer in refrigerating red wines. Not, like, a lot. Like, you don't have to make it, like, white wine where it's really cold. But, like, give it I only have one it. refrigerator, Julia. How many wines are you trying to stick in there? I would only stick one in at a time, but normally when I'm opening a new bottle of wine, it's ten minutes before we're about to do this podcast. (laughs) (laughs) So I'm like, oh no, wine. I gotta (laughs) turn this around quickly, and then I put the cork back in and refrigerate the rest of the bottle, and then the second half of it tastes better, but... um, I don't, like, proactively think ahead to refrigerate the wine before I drink it, and it's not like I have a wine fridge, so what the red wine is going to be chilled at whatever temperature my fridge is set at, which is normally, for white wine, it's cold. <laughs> it must be a sin in California to not have a wine fridge. I'll get one eventually. I have the perfect spot for it in the house. Honestly, it's just, like, an expense that I'm not ready to make yet. Get, like, get a dual one, so one side is really cold, one side is really, like, not warm, but, like, cooler. And then you can put in sodas and, like, juices and stuff in there mm-hmm. at the same time. And then you can use it for more than just wine. This is there true. Maybe I'll see if my mom will buy me a wine fridge for Christmas. Yeah. She'll probably just laugh at me and be like, I helped with the down payment on your house. You're never getting a Christmas <laughs> present from me again. <laughs> Which is more likely, honestly. Um, but she bought you a, well, she helped you buy a house. That's not enough. No, I'm very grateful. Um, but yeah, the wine is, it's not for me, but that's because it's a, it's a California blend and I'm not a big fan of California grapes. I understand I moved to the wrong state. Yeah, you did. (laughs) I get it. Oregon would have been a much better wine fit for me, but we don't have an office in Oregon, so... San Francisco it was. Um, But... I don't have a snappy transition based on wine, unfortunately, (laughs) for this book. Um, these, these kids are much too distracted with much bigger problems to drink alcohol. Also, one of them doesn't eat, like, human things at all, if I remember correctly. So, like... That's interesting. 
They're not drinking any wine. Nope. They're drinking something else. <laughs> I'm not gonna okay. tell you what, because that's a spoiler. <laughs> okay, so our third book. Are you so excited to start a I new am book excited. series? I'm very excited. So we're kind of breaking from tradition a little bit here because the last two books slash series that we've done, um, we had both read the entire series before we started the podcast. <laughs> I've only read this book. I have not read the sequel. I own the sequel, but I haven't read it um, <laughs> because... I have too many books to read, and, like, I got distracted, and then the podcast was coming up, so I was like, oh, I'll just wait. Um, but we are going to be doing, for our third book, we're going to be doing This Savage Song by Victoria Schwab. Now, for those of you who read adult literature, Victoria Schwab is the same person as V.E. Schwab, who is just in general an author I personally really enjoy, um, The Invisible Life of Addie LaRue is probably one of my favorite books that I've read in 2021. So I'm really excited to read this this book again. Um, it's not as flowery as some of her adult stuff, but her prose style is still really interesting to fall into. And I think she writes really compelling dialogue. So I'm diatribing. But um, the book, The Savage Song was published in 2016, and it is um, published under Victoria Schwab because she publishes under her full name, but she actually uses her first name in full for her YA and middle grade books. So because this one is technically um, positioned as YA, that's why it's published under Victoria Schwab. Everything else you'll read by her for the most part is going to be under V.E. Schwab with the exception of our Mon or with the exception of Monsters of Verity, which is this duology, and then her City of Ghosts books, which are our middle grade. Um, and, you know, I found another fun fact about this book. It's the first book that we're reading that is actually multiple POVs. Oh, I love multiple point of views. And by multiple, I mean two. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we're stepping up slowly yeah, but surely we'll eventually work our way up to a book like six of crows we're just we're not there yet it's a lot of chaotic energy so well we get it's like a dual pov like you get the perspective like yeah. of um the main female character and the main male character in different aspects i mean it's also third person POV. So it's kind of one of those things where it's like it is dual POV because we like follow them both at different times when they're mm -hmm. not together. So like sometimes we're looking over August's shoulder, sometimes we're, we're looking over Kate's shoulder, but it is a third person POV, which is also I think the first time we're reading a third person POV book. Oh my god, it is. Because The Cruel oh Prince god. and The Concealed are both written in first person, which drives us both up a wall <laughs> a lot of times me more so than book, you but 
the book we're doing after this one is very first person, so we're just gonna fall right back into it. So it's okay. It while we can. You know what? Like we've been kicking, we're kicking with the fantasy train, so at least we're getting some different narration oh, true, style. True. Yes. Even though we're sticking with fantasy for our third book. Um, so we can only least... give up one one of the filters. <laughs> uh yes, that is that is correct. Um, and then the last thing I'd say is, like, obviously it's YA, but specific genre. I know I've been saying fantasy a lot, but mm-hmm. I would classify this as urban fantasy. Um, so even though, like, there's not really a magic system, but there's a very unique and interesting monster system in the book. And everything is set in this sort of, like, dystopian city situation. Um and it's very urban, it's very gritty, like, who's controlling the city at any given point in time. So it's kind of if you combined, like, Hunger Games and Shadow Hunters in terms of, like, the city situation. It's like the mm-hmm. capital mixed with, like, the New York of Shadow Hunters. I would say gives you a good vibe for what you're going to get in the, the city in this book. I kind of like that. So yeah, far. the setting is really fun. And it's, again, very different from what we've done in the past. So even though it's still fantasy it's a very different kind of fantasy from either The Concealed or The Cruel Prince. Well, The Concealed and The Cruel Prince were very much like, a fantasy world exists, but the human world is still, like, a big thing. Like, mm-hmm. even though the, the Cruel Prince is primarily set in fairy, the human world is still, like, the biggest entity, because the fairy world is just within the human world. Right, so. the fairy world was... Well, and that's the same with the concealed and the revealed. Like you get go get yeah. to go to Avalon, but like that's not. It's just within the human world. Yeah, you're still being centered in the human world, um, and it doesn't allow you to like fully escape into like a different exactly. situation. Because you still remember that it's there. They can that they're gonna go to Target. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, but that won't happen in this book. You may I. I don't remember because I also read the selection series after I read this. So I don't remember if, like, their dystopian situation is loosely based off of, like, a breakdown of America or not. That, yeah, that's the selection. I know that's the selection. That's also the Hunger Games. That's also Divergent. (laughs) I'm pretty sure that's also Maze Runner. That's all of the dystopian novels. So I just don't. I don't off the top of my head remember if that's the case here. I feel like it's not, but I may be proven wrong. We'll see. It definitely doesn't hit you over the head with it if it is. Um, But that would be the only way I can see having, like, an urban dystopian sort of fantasy situation like what we have. Though I don't know where the monsters would come from, so maybe not. Um, Okay. Very long tangent about the book. So sorry. So, book description... I'm going to just read everything that was written on the Amazon book description because we were talking about this earlier. The back of the paperback, which is what I have, this description is absolute crap. So we're going to go with the, the Amazon iteration. So there's no such thing as safe in a city at war. A city overrun with monsters. In this dark urban fantasy from acclaimed author Victoria Schwab, a young woman and a young man must choose whether to become heroes or villains and friends or enemies with the future of their home at stake. 
the first of two books, this Savage Song is a must-have for fans of Holly Black, Maggie Stiefvater, and Lainey Taylor. Kate Harker and August Flynn are the heirs to a divided city, a city where the violence has begun to breed actual monsters. All Kate wants is to be as ruthless as her father, who lets the monsters roam free and makes the humans pay for his protection. All August wants is to be human, as good-hearted as his own father, to play a bigger role in protecting the innocent. But he's one of the monsters. One who can steal a soul with a simple strain of music. When the chance arises to keep an eye on Kate, who's just been kicked out of her sixth boarding school and returned home, August jumps at it. But Kate discovers August's secret, and after a failed assassination attempt, the pair must flee for their lives. In this savage song, Victoria Schwab creates a gritty, seething metropolis, one worthy of being compared to Gotham and to the four versions of London and her critically acclaimed fantasy for adults, A Darker Shade of Magic. Her heroes will face monsters intent on destroying them from every side, including the monsters within. Wow. Also, you know we're going to like this book because two out of the three authors that are listed are books that, like, authors that have written books that we've read together and, like, devoured. I literally, when you wrote those, I was like, oh my god, <laughs> like, this was made for us. Who's oh, Lenny Taylor? I want to look up Lenny Taylor. She's, she's the one that writes Daughter of Smoke and Bone. Okay. I don't think I'm familiar with her. I haven't read any of her stuff, but I've heard amazing things, and I know I will love her books when I read them. I, I was going to say, like, I feel like if two out of three of those are there, that's a good thing for Victoria Schwab, and it must be a good thing for Lanny Taylor. Like, maybe I need to look up Lanny Taylor. <laughs> I think you would like Lanny Taylor, having not read her, but I also think I would like Lanny Taylor, so eventually maybe <laughs> we'll get there we'll, we'll get there <laughs> not that not what we're talking about today but yeah so that's kind of high level at least it, the amazon description gives you a little bit more information about like who the characters are and what their motivations are a little bit um but that's about i know pretty much all you have to go off <laughs> as to how you feel about this book so julia why don't you walk us through your impressions, things you're interested in, and things that you're a little worried about. I'm excited. As we were saying earlier, the fact that I feel like we're really entering a kind of different universe that isn't just, like, humans versus other creatures within the human world. Like, I am really excited to dive into that and kind of learn about the world building. Like, I remember we were talking about this last time we talked, but I really like some good world building. Mm-hmm. Not at the very beginning, but as it goes along, which that's what I'm hoping to get out of the book is like some world building, like as it goes along, like we get the action and we get the world building at the same time. Um, I think it's kind of funny. This just reminded me of a pop culture reference, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> but um, do you remember the movie August Rush with Freddie Highmore? I didn't watch it. I remember well, didn't hearing wa- about oh, it. I used to love that movie. I don't know why. I should watch it again. It's about a kid named August who has a gift for music. And I think at one point he actually plays the violin at the end. And, like, he's this orphan who, like, just wants good things in the world. It just right. I wonder if she, like, took any inspiration from that. It's a really good movie. Kind of sad, but good. 
I just I, this is actually my first Victoria Schwab book. I've never read any of her other books. They're on my to read list. I think I've always been apprehensive though because um, she gets compared to like a kind of young adult version of Donna Tart, and as we know, I really love Donna Tart and the Secret History. And I think Victoria has actually said that she wished she had written the Secret History before. I think for some reason that always like kind of concerned me because I was like, what if she's just trying to be like Donna Tart? Like, I don't know if I really want to read that. Um, so this, this, I guess, will give me a good idea of if she's actually a wannabe Donatar or not. I don't think she is. I think she's just inspired by her, but I'm excited for my first V.E. Schwab book nonetheless. Maybe I will read Villains finally, um, because everyone tells me to read it. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm, it's always interesting to me to, like, two main characters Kind of like with I'm forgetting the name of it by Mary Lou um, Legend I think it was or mm-hmm. something like that. Um, it reminds me a lot of that where you have one the kind of protagonist female who is very like following in the footsteps of her family. She thinks she's doing the right thing versus this kind of I want to say goody two shoes not. I guess vigilante kind of boy is a better way of putting it Mm -hmm. um and wants to like do the right thing and kind of has a vendetta against someone and then I love that kind of like dynamic a lot I think it works really well um you get really good character development and chemistry development so yeah I'm excited I'm excited for the world building mostly though and the monsters (laughs) I'm excited to meet some monsters. We will definitely meet lots of monsters. Um, I really, I mean, so I love this book a lot. It was not, not like the most amazing book I've ever read in my entire life. Like it was a four star read for me when I first read it. Um, But I think the reason exactly to your point of the things you like with a book, the reason I didn't make it a five star is because when I read fantasy I like to get more world building up front mm-hmm. <laughs> and you and I will forever disagree about this in books I think <laughs> which is why it makes it interesting for us to talk about these books together because like I will when you're happy about world building I will likely be unhappy about world building and vice it makes versa for good discourse it does it does make for good discourse um, but I, I don't know if you remember this, but I'm pretty sure I told you sometime last year when I was reading this book for the first time and I was getting so frustrated with the book because about like halfway through the book, I still, I'm like, I don't understand what the different monsters <laughs> <Yeah>. are. <laughs> like, what, what is this world? What are the rules? I don't understand the rules. There need to be rules. You're such a Ravenclaw. <laughs> I do a lot better with hard magic systems than soft magic systems. That is for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but she definitely, which it's funny because the, I mean, the only other book that I've read by V. E. Schwab is Addie Larue, which is a book that is very meandering. Like I think that's really the only way you can describe that book. Is it? It meanders. <laughs> and it's a really fun journey to go on, but you don't need a ton of world building. You're just kind of, like, learning about this girl's life, and you just follow her from start to finish, and her life just Mm -hmm. happens to have 
happens to last 300 years. And, like, you flash back and forth between different time zones, kind of like, or time zones, time lines, kind of like (laughs) holes. But it just kind of, like, follows through. The rules are very simple. They're very clearly defined. Like, it's not super complicated. And so I like going on that sort of, like, very long plot journey with V.E. Schwab Mm because then you can just kind of, like, follow along with her beautiful prose style. When I need world building to solve a mystery or a tension point or something, when it's taken away from me and, like, (laughs) withheld from me for more than 30% of the book, I get upset. So I am interested to see now that I know how the monsters work in this world and, like, the different classes of monsters, like, how, because there's, there's, like, a hierarchy of monsters. There's, like, three basic tiers and there's, like, subsections between the tiers, but there's three basic tiers of monsters. Um, how they all, like, interact and, like, the social hierarchy within the monster tiering. I know that all now, so it'll be interesting to see how I feel about the book having that information. Um, and if that'll make it if I'll mm-hmm. like it more or if I'll like it less because I'll be bored. I don't know. So we'll see how it plays out. But one of the reasons I picked this book is because I know that there's it's very plot centric, which keeps you interested. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um it's definitely like there's character growth, there's character moments. But because you're really only focusing on those two main characters, all of your character development comes through plot. So there's a lot more action, a lot more quick-paced movement as you're going through things. So even if you're lost in the world, you understand the basics of the plot that's being followed. Um, So sometimes the story can seem a little simple. Mm -hmm. But it's easy to follow it's enjoyable it's action the characters are interesting their dynamics at any given point in time when they're interacting are interesting how their loyalties shift over time super interesting um and i am very interested to see how you feel about kate throughout the book because and i think i i probably mentioned this a lot when we were reading the cruel prince There's a lot of Kate that gives me Jude vibes, and there's a lot of Jude that gives me Kate vibes. Oh, no. (laughs) Not not in a bad way. It's just, like, that, like, need, especially before everything happens with Maddox in the first book, Mm -hmm. right? Like, that need to, like, please your father and, like, having your self-worth come from that. Yeah. Is very reminiscent of Kate. Like, she is the kind of character that wants to prove that she's just as vicious as her dad is. And that's very Jude. Whereas, like, Taryn could not give two shits (laughs) about proving she's anything like Maddox. But, like, Kate cares. And she wants to prove. But at the same time, she has all of these internalized like, fears and things that she's working through, and, like, she's a lot of internal conflicts that she's working through as she goes through the book, um, that I think are reminiscent of things that Jude has and just, like, shoves down and out of the way. She's like, I'm not dealing with this right now. I'm disassociating. No, thank you. (laughs) Um, so I think that 
out of characters that come like fresh to mind, those two are very reminiscent of one another. So I'm interested to see reading the two books in close proximity how you feel about Kate as we go All through. Right. August take a is look out for that. August is a sweetheart. I don't find him as compelling or interesting as Kate personally, but um he's a good character. He's an interesting character because he's a monster. And one who can steal a soul with a simple strain of music. Yeah, that's why I really like this book, too. One of the reasons I picked it is because how unique the specific class of monster that August belongs to is. I think that's very interesting. Um, And they don't really explain the nuances of his power, feeding schedule, what whatever you want to call it <laughs> same thing power and feeding schedule um they don't really explain the nuances of it well at the beginning of the book so it'll come with time but it's something that his entire like class of monsters can do in some capacity um so it's interesting to see their different like skill sets and how they all interact because, like, not too much of it. Like, the monsters tend to group within their class. I don't really feel like that's a spoiler. That's, like, why you have classes of monsters. It's not mm-hmm. just, like, everyone out there doing a free-for-all. The monsters tend to congregate a little bit. Um, and that especially goes for, for August's monster type, which I don't remember the names of any of those things. <laughs> but we'll figure it out as we read. We'll find out <laughs> soon. <laughs> But yeah, I, uh, that's, those are all the reasons I picked the book. I'm excited to reread it. I'm also really excited to read the second book and it'll be good to do a reread of the first one before I read the second Mm -hmm. one, which of course we'll do on the pod, but. Yay. Yeah. Any other sort of like thoughts that you have? No, I'm very excited to meet Kate and August. I will say, I can't believe her name is Kate. Like, it's just such a generic name. Like, we're going from Jude to Kate. I don't know. There's just something so generic. I guess well, like, yeah, dystopian urban fantasy kind of stuff. I expect some, like, even, like, thinking of, um, uh... Cassandra Clare's books like um Clary there there's something different about Clary it's not a generic name Kate is just so like like I think of I think of Princess Kate (laughs) I'm gonna be honest here it's hard to get that image out of my brain so it's gonna be interesting reading Kate and trying not to think of Princess Kate not that I like keep up with her a lot it's just hard to not think of it (laughs) Yeah, I think that's completely fair. Kate, um, I think Kate is short for Catherine. Not that that makes it better. No. <laughs> but in kind keeping... kind of makes it worse. It, but it kind of keeps in theme with our, like, string of old names. Like, other than Jude. Sure. Jude's a, kind of a rando name. You hear about characters named Jude every so John often. John Lennon would disagree, but sure. Well, and the one of the main characters in The Vanishing Half by Britt Bennett is named Jude. Mm-hmm. 
which let me tell you, I had a hard time reading that book after reading The Cruel Prince because I was like, wait, why are we in LA? What's happening? (laughs) Oh God. Um, completely different kind of story. (laughs) But I mean, if we think about like, so like Catherine, Evelyn, so, Evelyn's an old name. Yeah, Catherine's an old real. name. Yeah. Kind of that idea of, like, it's just taking the old, making it new again. I don't know. I don't know. If I wrote a book, a fantasy book, I feel like I would go all out and choose some really obscure, cool name. Like, not one that's, like, crazy, right? But one that's, that, like, is... I mean, then again, my parents named me Julia, which here was an obscure name, and in Germany it was the number one name, so... But still, I don't know. I feel like I would I would take some time to think of a cool name. But maybe Kate will prove me wrong. Harker's no offense a to any cool, Kates out there. Harker's a cool last Harker's name, though. Harker's a cool last name. Yeah, it is And cool I, again, I may be wrong, or I may be, like, attributing things to her dad, not to her. But it was definitely the kind of like, situation in their family where they refer to each other by, like, last names. So I feel like she gets called Harker more than she gets called Kate. And her dad goes by Harker. Hmm. So that, you know, if you ever got called Geisler instead of Julia. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, And if it makes you feel better, August, because we know based on the description, right, August is keeping an eye on Kate and, like, trying to, like, weasel in, but she figures out his secret, he goes in with a secret identity to keep an eye on her, and his name is Freddy. Oh, no. Freddy. Freddy Gallagher is his secret identity name. No, are you kidding me? I have multiple associations with both of those names. That's just an all-around weird name combination. Okay. Interesting. No wonder that caught. Actually, August Flynn. Yeah. August Flynn's a pretty. August Flynn's a pretty cool name. It is a cool name. Flynn Center also was a a one of the biggest music centers in. I think I can say Northern Vermont. It was probably one of the biggest music centers in Vermont. So, (laughs) I can do name association all day long. I'm trying to think. I mean, I think, like, a lot of the other characters have relatively straightforward names. Like, there's a person named Henry. There's a person named Leo. They're not, like, it's urban fantasy, but it's not urban fantasy so far removed. Or, let me rephrase this. It's urban fantasy, not high fantasy. So, because it's not high fantasy, you don't have any, like, funky-ass names. We're not going to get a xylophone boombox. I don't know. <laughs> Is that because they steal souls with music? You're going with xylophone yeah. boombox as the name of a monster? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, it's kind of like you would write in old Europe, you would name people based off of um, their occupation. You know? Why not name them after what they do as monster? Hmm, like America Singer? Yeah. <laughs> The worst. The absolute worst. That's a terrible name. 
Like, Kira Cass could have tried a little bit harder. Oh, fun fact. uh, The place that they live is called Verity, so we're going to get some great Divergent vibes with, like, the names of locations and, like... Oh, no. Oh, okay. His sister's name is Ilsa. Ilsa. That's an interesting name. That's an uncommon name. Like, I don't think it's uncommon in Europe, but it's uncommon over here. I was going to say, it's a very Norse or Swedish yeah, name. exactly. <laughs> uh, so, probably not uncommon for Ilsa herself, but, like, <laughs> weird for Americans. Exactly. It's all about Americans, right? We're the only audience. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> Obviously. We're kidding, we swear. <laughs> Take us out of America, honestly. We'd yeah, be happy. <laughs> I would love to go to like anywhere but here. I was talking to my dad earlier and he was like, Oh, you're gonna be in Disney on the fourth of July? And I was like, Yeah, I'm gonna be in Epcot. And he was like, You're gonna be in Epcot. For the 4th of July. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to be real patriotic and go uh, drink a beer in Germany. Because I'm not patriotic at all. (laughs) Go America. (laughs) That's what I would do if I were going to Disney. Same. I'm basically going to Vermont and forgetting that it's July 4th. I mean, I'll probably end up doing some July 4th stuff. But Vermont is probably not the most patriotic state. (laughs) Isn't it basically Canada? It's basically Canada. We have a whole, like, movement to secede from the United States and join Canada, so. So, the book is gonna be (laughs) super interesting. Um, I'm excited to dig into it. I feel like it's probably gonna take us a little while to get through it. Um, just because it's the longest book that we've read so far, like, from start to finish, like, through the elegy, the paperback is 427 pages. Hmm. That'll be fun. So, it'll be fun. We'll hit, you know, 20 to 30 pages each episode, so it'll probably take us a little bit under 20 episodes to get it done. Um, but I'm excited to, to start digging into it next week. It's gonna be, gonna be a good time. Um, so... Follow us on social media to stay updated on when we post and what's going on with our books. We will post on social media. I have to do so much social media posting. Yeah, I should log on to later. I have to do it for school, too. I have to... I'm way behind. All I care about is you get the bios up on Instagram. <laughs> I know. There, I think the photos are loaded into the app. I just actually have to, like, p- paste them in. Fair enough. <laughs> well, we'll get there. We'll eventually get our arms around social media. Life is just hard and complicated. And it's like, been, it's been a transition lately. I'm like, oh god. Neither of us are very good at like reminding people that we exist. Um, <laughs> that was, it's true. It's not a skill set either of us have, which no. is hilarious that we decided to make a public platform like a podcast. But here, here we are. <laughs> We'll get there. This is good training for me. 30 episodes in. It's great training. Woo! (laughs) Well, now we 
we have like content for people to consume before we didn't have as much content so it's true we have two full books um the revealed is going up i mean it'll already be posted by the time this is live but the revealed is going up tomorrow Mm-hmm. Our, our review and discussion of that. I think I wrote in the iTunes, like, description that we didn't like the book so people know what they're getting into when they listen. Biased. Uh, no, I'm just being honest. It's like, we didn't like it, but boy, did we have fun discussing all of this random stuff that happened in the book. Um, it was fun. So, at least I, I have whole hopes that this book series is going to be a lot better. The first book is really good, and I don't doubt that V.E. Schwab will be able to pull out the second book really well as well. So I'm excited to dig into it. Um, but, yes, yeah, so you can follow us on social media. You can follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Unnecessary Angst Pod and on Twitter at UnAngstPod. And you can also email us to talk about the book, your thoughts about the book, um, any sort of other books that you want us to be thinking about in future episodes or things you want us to read, book suggestions you want, whatever, you can email us at unnecessaryangstpod at gmail.com. And with that, we are going to get on up out of here. Uh, and get on up. Go drink some more wine. <laughs> Yay. Have a lovely night, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Bye. Bye.